Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 11. So if you didn't bring one and you want to use the Black Pew Bibles in front of you, that's page 869, 869, Luke 11. We're starting a new series today on the Lord's Prayer, and it's going to take us eight weeks, eight weeks to get through the Lord's Prayer. Now, that's kind of a dangerous thing to say. Um, because the Lord's Prayer is so familiar to many of you uh, that you may decide that that's not worth your time and you're just going to check out. So saying we're going to spend eight weeks on the Lord's Prayer is kind of like showing up to your uh, first semester college English class. The professor professor says, all right, we're going to spend the first eight weeks on the alphabet. You might say, okay, I'll see you in two months. (laughs) Okay, you guys go ahead and cover that. I got that. Let's move on. I'll come back when we get to the advanced stuff. Um, the Lord's Prayer is very familiar to us, very well-known. It's probably one of the most well-known sections of Scripture in the English-speaking world. Uh, everybody's familiar with it. Uh, but it's precisely because we are so familiar with it that I think we need to spend some time on it, because it's possible that we've become too used to it, so used to it that we've stopped paying attention to what it says. Uh, Tim Keller wrote a, a book recently on prayer, and in it he compares this to visiting a friend who lives by railroad tracks, where you go to their house and you're sitting there talking to them, having a good conversation, when all of a sudden the house starts to shake and you can't hear and you can't communicate and you're just sitting there with this overwhelming noise until finally it ends and you turn to your friend and you say, what was that? And they say, what was what? Because they live next to the railroad tracks. They hear it all the time. It's so familiar to them that when it shows up, they don't even notice. They just tune it out. And that's what can happen for us with the Lord's Prayer. You know, we recited it this morning, which we don't usually do, but we will do that repeatedly throughout the series. And we recited it, and, and I invited us to, to think about it as we said it, but really, how many of us, once you hit that on-ramp, you just kept on going. You, know, you pull the string, and out comes the Lord's Prayer. You don't think about it. You don't have to think about it because it's so familiar. You can just say the words. You know what comes next. And even though you're the one saying it, you don't even hear it. So we've got to spend some time in the Lord's Prayer. We're going to go slowly. We're going to go really slowly so that we can see word by word what does this prayer mean we can, so we can learn from Jesus how to pray. And we're doing this because I think that the most pressing need in our congregation right now is to learn to pray. I think that's what we need. I don't know if you realize this, but I do think about you when I try to decide what are we going to talk about, what are we going to study. Sometimes I do just indulge myself and say, I really want to talk about this, so let's do that. But most of the time, most of the time, it's a prayerful process of thinking through and praying through, God, where are we as a church? What do we need? Um, What do we need to hear from you? Where do we need to hear from you? And I think as I prayerfully surveyed where we are as a church and where we are as individuals, what we need right now more than anything is to learn how to pray. We need to learn how to pray as a church. I think it's long overdue in the life of our church, so we need to become better at praying. We've come a really long way in the last seven years. Um, you know, we've healed from some really deep hurts and disappointments. We've turned a new page in, in terms of Uh, becoming gospel-centered and really understanding the gospel of grace and living that out. I think we see a lot of growth in our relationships with one another. Um, We're caring for each other. We're having fun together. We're doing things together. Uh, We've started becoming more outward-focused. As you know, we're doing more service projects. 
Uh, we're sharing the gospel. You guys just sent me on a missions trip. This is all new stuff. It's good stuff. Um, but we have to realize that, that if we don't match all of this new activity with a corresponding new love and practice for prayer, it's all going to fail. All right? It's going to be like trying to run with your shoelaces tied to each other. <laughs> You're just going to fall flat on your face because you can't move. Okay? We're going to try to do all this activity, but if we don't match all of our outward activity with increased uh, love for prayer, practice for prayer individually, corporately, if we don't have prayer fueling and the foundation for all we're doing, it's, it's nothing. It's not going to work. And so we need to learn how to pray. And we need to learn how to pray as individuals. One of the things I love about our church and just what God's doing through us is I love all the young Christians. And by that, I mean both the kids and those who are young in their faith. Okay, I love you guys. I mean, I love you mature, experienced saints too. You're also wonderful. But I love that God has brought and, you know, has, has been working your life so that he's brought people to faith. You know, he woke you guys up. He, he, he opened your eyes to see the wonderful things about being a Christian. And you know, he's bringing change in your life. You're following him. Kind of, you too are experiencing now new opportunities to be active and to do more in your faith. But I got to say, just like with our church, for you as a Christian, and this is for both young Christians and old Christians, if you want to keep growing in your faith, you need to learn how to pray. You need to cultivate in your life a regular practice of communion with God. Not just a quick head bob before a meal or with a kid before they go to bed, although those are good, but regular, sustained conversation with God, 5, 10, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, more, in a, in a day, whatever it is, but regular time when you are with your Heavenly Father and you are talking to Him. It's essential. As individuals, we need to learn how to pray. So we're going to learn how to pray, and there's no better place to look than the Lord's Prayer. So look in Luke 11 today. Um, now, if you're one of those people who has really strong Bible knowledge, you might say, wait a minute, Luke 11, why not Matthew 6? Matthew 6 is where the, the typical Lord's Prayer is found, and we will spend most of our time in Matthew 6. But first, I want us to look at Luke 11. This is another time when Jesus' teaching on the Lord's Prayer is recorded. And I really think we've got a lot to learn from the first verse here. So let's read Luke 11, 1 through 4, and then zoom in on the first verse to set the stage for our study of prayer. Luke 11, verse 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread and forgive our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. Not a lot of text today, but like I said, we're going slow. So we're going to focus on verse 1, just verse 1. And I want to show you three things out of this verse today from the three different sections of this verse. First, since Jesus prayed, we must pray too. Secondly, prayer is a skill to be learned. And third, we must come to Jesus to learn how to pray. I'll hit those again if you didn't catch them. So first, since Jesus prayed, we must pray too. 
I don't know if you caught this, but when you start to go slowly, you notice things. The whole context for this teaching on prayer from Jesus begins with Jesus himself praying. It starts with Jesus praying. So verse 1 says, now he, now Jesus was praying in a certain place. Jesus was praying. Does that strike you as weird at all? Does it, like, Jesus was praying. What is prayer? Prayer is talking to God. Jesus is God. Why is Jesus praying? Prayer is when you're appealing to a higher power, someone who has more power than you, to do something that you can't do yourself. Jesus is all-powerful. Why is he praying? What's he asking for? I mean, it's, it's, at some level, it seems weird that Jesus would pray. It makes sense to me that I would pray to Jesus. It makes sense to me that I would pray through Jesus. But why is Jesus himself praying? And yet he is here, and this is not an isolated incident. Jesus is praying all the time in the Gospels. In fact, if you read through, you see it's one of the top three things he's doing. Jesus teaches, Jesus does miracles, and Jesus prays. That's what he does. And prayer is just as much one of the main parts of his life as teaching and doing miracles. I'm going to do a quick survey. I'm going to give you some verses. You can write them down and look them up later, make sure I'm not making them up. But let me just tell you about these. So in Mark chapter 1, Jesus launches his ministry. You read about the start of his ministry in Mark chapter 1. First thing he does, he teaches. He says, repent and believe the gospel. Then he does miracles. People from the whole town come to him all night long, seeking to be healed, and he heals them. And then what does he do next? Mark 1, 35 says, rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. In Luke 6, we read about Jesus choosing his 12 disciples. What does he do before he chooses the 12 disciples? Luke 6, 12. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them 12 who he named apostles. So when Jesus was facing a big decision, who am I going to pick to be my 12 guys, my 12 apostles that I'm going to invest in? He spends the whole night before this in prayer, all night long. Praying. In Mark 6 and Matthew 14, we read of the famous miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. And in both of those Gospels, right afterwards, Jesus puts the disciples in a boat, and it says in Mark 6, 46, after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. So a huge miracle. All right, I got to go pray. I got to recharge. I got to pray. Luke 9, 29 Records another time he goes up on a mountain. He liked to pray on mountains. It says, And while he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered and his clothing became dazzling white. While he was praying. He was praying. While he was praying, the transfiguration happened. And then he comes down from that mountain with his disciples and the disciples have this kid who they cannot cast the demon out of. And Jesus does it. And then they say, why couldn't we do it? And he says, this kind only comes out through prayer, implying they were not praying in their attempt to cast out the demon. But Jesus did, and he was successful because he prayed. Jesus is always praying in the Gospels. The, the most famous or biggest example is in John 17, a whole chapter, a beautiful, what's called the high priestly prayer of Jesus, where he intercedes for his disciples and for you and me. All chapter, he prays. And then later that night in the Garden of Gethsemane, as he's preparing to be crucified, you know, he, he knows it's coming. He's praying in the Garden, Father, not my will, but yours be done. Even hanging on the cross, his last words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's a prayer from Psalm 22. God, what's going on? 
He's crying out to God. He's praying all the time. Jesus prayed all the time. Why? Why would Jesus pray? It's because he recognized his absolute dependence on the Father. He recognized his absolute dependence on the Father. So even though he was and is fully God, he lived a life of complete dependence on the Father. Jesus did not walk around like Superman saying, I've got all this power, I've got all this wisdom, I can do it all by myself. Instead, he walked around relying completely on the Father and on his wisdom and on his power, and he prayed so that he could access that wisdom and that power. Again, I'm going to give you some verses here. You can just write these down. But if you look at how Jesus talks in the Gospels, especially in John, you think this guy was dependent on the Father. He's the most dependent person who ever lived. John 15, 19. Just listen to how Jesus says he can't do anything by himself, okay? He says, truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. John 5, 30. I can do nothing on my own. It's Jesus talking. John 8, 28. I, I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. John 12, 49. For I have not spoken of my, on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. Okay, so just imagine you're sitting in a restaurant... And in the booth behind you, you overhear a grown man saying things like this. I only do what my father tells me. I only say what my father tells me to say. I can do nothing on my own. Right, you're sitting in the restaurant, you hear a grown man talking like that, you might be compelled to turn around and tell him, you need to grow up. You are way too dependent. You, you need to show some independence. You need to, you need to you know, take some initiative. You need to have some uh, will of your own. And if he wouldn't say that to his face, he might talk about that later. Like, did you hear the guy behind me? Grown man saying, I only say what my father says. What's wrong with this guy? But that's how Jesus talked. He was totally dependent on his father. He was always looking to the father for direction and for help. He was never acting on his own independently. And so he prays all the time because he is constantly needing that wisdom and that power from the father. Without prayer, he would have had nothing to teach because he said only what the Father told him to say. Without prayer, he would have had no power to do miracles because he does only what the Father enables him to do. Prayer was the secret to Jesus' ministry. He had to pray for everything because without connection to his Father, he could do nothing. Okay? And here's the takeaway. If it's true that Jesus needed to pray all the time, how much more do we need to pray? If Jesus could not make it through a day without prayer, what makes you think that you can make it through a day without prayer? Jesus, the infinite God-man, the second person of the Trinity, the way, the truth, the life, Jesus had to pray all the time. And if he could do nothing on his own, and always needed the help of the Father, how much more do we need the help of the Father? We can do nothing without prayer. We have no wisdom. We have no power. I mean, sure, we can do some stuff, right? We can scramble around. We can work hard. We can try to get things done. But Psalm 127 is always ringing in my ears. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builder labors in vain. 
Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman watches in vain. Unless God is doing the work, unless we are praying and undergirding everything that we do with prayer, it's like building sandcastles at the beach at low tide. It will eventually get washed away. The only way we can do anything is through prayer. See, at first it's shocking to see that Jesus prayed, but when we realize that he had to pray, how much more do we have to pray? But it's not just as simple as saying, okay, I'm going to pray more then, I'm going to pray more. Because the second thing the verse teaches us is that prayer is a skill to be learned. Notice what the disciple says to Jesus. He says, when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. So this disciple does not assume that he knows how to pray. He doesn't merely draw the lesson of Jesus prayed, therefore I must pray. Okay, I'm going to go do that now. Instead, he stops, he asks for help, and he says, teach me to pray. Teach us to pray. I don't know how to do it. I need you to teach me. And by saying this, he puts prayer in the same category of things like uh, playing the piano or throwing a baseball or learning how to speak a foreign language. Something that you are not born with the innate ability to do, but a skill that you can acquire over time. So prayer is something that can be learned. Prayer is something that can be taught. It is a skill that through practice and repetition and good instruction, you can learn to do better. I think that is really good news. That's really good news. Because it means if you're dissatisfied with your ability to pray... That is, if you think that you are just really bad at prayer, I'm just such a bad prayer, that doesn't mean that there's something fundamentally wrong with you. It's not that you're just the one defective Christian, like everybody else got this ability to pray, you know, when God was handing out the ability to pray, you know, you missed that day, you were sick that day, and all of a sudden everybody else can pray and you can't, and there's just something wrong with you. You're not a good prayer. It's like, well, other people can pray, but not me. I can't pray. I'm just not who I am. No, it's not. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a character quality. It's a skill. If you don't know how to pray, it just means you haven't learned. And it means you can learn. Right? If, you, if you can't throw a curveball, it doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean you don't have the curveball throwing genes. It just means you haven't learned. No one's taught you. You haven't tried. In the same way, if you can't pray, it doesn't mean that you're bad. It doesn't mean that you'll never be able to do it. It just means you haven't learned. It just means, really, that you're in the same boat as the disciples of Jesus who said, Lord, teach us to pray. We don't know how. Teach us. Teach us. That's good news. It's good news. Of course, it's a challenge, too. And the challenge is, if prayer is a skill to be learned and you haven't learned how to do it, do it. Right? Teach us to pray. Make that your, uh, your plea to God. Teach me how to pray. It's not okay to be uh, content with ignorance. Prayer is not the same as learning how to play the piano. And learning how to play the piano is pretty cool. It's neat, but you can have a fulfilling life without it. You can, you can have a full human life. You can have a great relationship with God without, the, without ever playing piano, without ever developing that skill. But prayer, prayer is essential. And we saw that in the first point. Prayer is more like walking or talking than playing the piano. Sort of skill that you really need. And if you don't have it, you're going to be severely disabled in your life. As Christians, as a church, we need to learn how to pray. 
And that's why we're taking time to study the Lord's Prayer, because this is Jesus' response to the question. When the disciples said, teach us to pray, Jesus said, okay, pray like this. And then he gives the Lord's Prayer. So the first step in our journey is to study the Lord's Prayer and understand what does it mean. When Jesus says, pray like this, what does that mean? How am I supposed to pray? Teach me, Jesus. And so we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer. I'm going to, I'm going to preach seven more sermons on the Lord's Prayer. So if you want to learn how to pray, you should listen to those. Right? You should study the Lord's Prayer. That's part of it. But it's just the first step. Because if you really want to grow in a skill, you need to do more than just hear knowledge about it. You have to practice it. If you go to a series of lectures by a world-renowned pianist and they explain all about music theory, you don't go home that day all of a sudden knowing how to play the piano. If you watch the World Series and you hear the announcers talking about the difference between a cutter and a slider and a curveball and a fastball and all these things, you don't all of a sudden walk out and start playing catch and say, I can throw these pitches now. In both cases, the knowledge is important, it can be helpful and give you the foundation you need, but then you've got to go apply it. You've got to take time, day after day, week after week, putting in hours and hours of practice to develop the skill. And that's true of prayer, too. It doesn't just happen. You have to practice. And so I'm going to give you practice plans every week. I'm going to try to be really practical, give you specific things. You can see it in your bulletin. I'll go over it at the end. But before we get there, I just want to give you this question. Are you willing to do the work? It takes work. It's an essential skill. We need it. We can learn it. Jesus wants to teach us, but we have to practice. And just like anything else, if you're not willing to practice, it's not going to happen. So are you willing? I hope you are. If Jesus prayed, we need to pray too. It's a skill we can learn if we put in the work. And finally, we must come to Jesus to learn how to pray. This is the third thing we see in the verse. We must come to Jesus to learn how to pray. So the last thing we see here is that there were other people who were also teaching prayer. The disciple says, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. So John the Baptist had disciples. He taught them how to pray. Now Jesus' disciples come to Jesus and they say, teach us how to pray. We want to learn from you. Again, the question is why. Why bother Jesus with this question? I mean, if John's over there teaching people how to pray, if he's already got a prayer school going and they know that he's teaching his disciples, why don't you just go to John and learn how to pray? There's other options. You don't have to come to Jesus for it. And that's an important question for us, too. Because there are other people out there who are willing to teach you how to pray. Prayer is a skill that you have to learn over time. But it's also something that the desire for prayer is in all of us. We might not all have the skill, but we've all got the desire. Every religion has some form of prayer. Everybody that you meet probably prays a little bit at some, what, some time, some way or another. And I'll tell you, everybody I've ever asked uh, if I could pray for them, they've all said yes. Okay, people, people like prayer. There's a desire for prayer, a universal human experience. And because of that, there's a lot of human teachers out there who are willing to meet that need and say, oh, you want to pray? Let me show you how to pray. All sorts of religions have their advice on how to pray. I googled it this week, how to pray. There's a wiki how, nine steps, here you go. It was okay. 
So there's lots of teachers out there, many sources of advice on how to pray. So why would we come to Jesus to learn? Uh, First of all, I'd say because he's the best at it. It's a good rule of thumb. If you're going to learn something, generally, learn from the best. All other things being equal, if you have the chance to learn from a major league pitcher, it's better than from a high school pitcher. If you've got the chance to learn from the best, you should do it. And Jesus was the best prayer ever. And I think the disciples recognized this because they'd been around him a lot. They'd heard him pray a lot, right? They're spending all this time with Jesus, and Jesus is always praying, so they're hearing him pray all the time. And it's probably true that most of his prayers were out loud. That would have been the custom. And we know, for example, in John 17, that great prayer, or the prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, we have what Jesus said because someone must have been listening and writing it down. Right? They heard what he said. So he probably prayed out loud most of the time, and the disciples would have heard him praying all the time. And Luke 11 seems to be another place where this is happening. Jesus is praying. His disciples are within earshot. And they hear again this amazing prayer. They hear Jesus speaking with such intimacy with the Father. They, they, they hear him praying with, with such power and such reality to his prayers. And it seems like this time it's just too much for the disciples to handle because when he gets done, it says, when he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Like we just heard you pray again and it was amazing and nobody else prays like you. John taught his disciples, but we don't want John's prayers. We want your prayers. Lord, teach us how to pray like that. You are the best there ever was. And of course he's the best because he's been doing it forever. Talk about practice. Jesus has been practicing prayer forever. He's been in constant communion with the Father from before the world began. In John 17, verse 4, in that great prayer, Jesus says this, speaking to his Father, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do, and now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Jesus says, I've done done my part here in this earthly ministry. I've glorified you now, Father, as I go to the cross and rise from the dead. Give me back the glory that I had with you before the world existed. So Jesus, the Son of God, has been uh, in communion with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit from before time began. He's been talking with his Father literally forever. So he's pretty good at prayer. He knows how to do it. And that's why the disciples came to him to learn how to pray. He said, you're the best. We want to learn from you. Why go anywhere else? And if you want to learn how to pray, you should go to Jesus too. Not to some human author or some speaker who claims to have some insights, but to Jesus. No one can compare. He's been praying for all eternity. He knows what he's talking about. So we should listen and learn from him. So that's one reason to come to him, because he's the best. And the other one's probably more important so that he makes prayer possible. I'm going to need a phone for this. I forgot to bring my phone. Can anybody hand me a phone? There we go. All right. Okay. The truth is that all of us are born with a desire to pray, right? We've got this. God made us to be in relationship with him. But at the same time, we're also all terrible at prayer. We're born without the skills. We don't know how to do it. And we can't do it because of our sin. We've got a broken relationship with God. So our sins cause a separation between us and God. We want to pray. We want to connect to him. And yet, at the same time, we kind of don't. And it's hard. And we can't do it because of our sin. 
So it's like as if God has given all of us a phone. And his design was for all of us to be able to call him whenever we wanted to, to have this direct connection with him, to be in relationship with him. That's how we were made. But because of sin, instead of us having a working phone, our phones are broken. If this was a magic show now, I'd break your phone, and then I would bring it back, but I can't do that. So pretend this is a broken phone. Um, our phones are broken because of sin. We, we, we had this connection with God, and yet because we disobeyed God, that connection was broken, and now we can't talk to him. We can't use it. It's just here. It's a brick. It doesn't work. So we've got these phones. We feel like we should be able to do something with them. We should be able to talk to God, but we can't because it's broken. But then Jesus comes along, and Jesus' phone still works, right? Because he doesn't sin. He's never sinned. And so he's got this direct connection with God. He's talking to him all the time. He's getting direct wisdom from God, power from God. He's got this amazing relationship. His phone works. And we're all looking at him like, how do you do that? I got a phone, but I can't get through. And he lives his whole life, never sinning, always maintaining that relationship with God, even to the point of death on the cross and then resurrection from the dead. And God's saying, yes, you did it. You did it. Now he sits at the right hand of God. He doesn't even need a phone. He just whispers in his ear. He's right there. Now, the great news of Christianity is that Jesus wants to share that with us. He doesn't hog the glory to himself. He doesn't hog the access to the Father to himself. He says, you want to share my phone? You want to use my phone? You want to talk to the Father? You can talk to the Father. Theologically, what we're talking about is is that when you have faith in Jesus, you're united to Jesus, and everything that's true of him becomes true of you. In terms of the illustration, that means his phone becomes yours. You get to talk to God with the crystal clear connection that belongs only to Christ because only Christ has obeyed completely. That's what it means to pray in the name of Jesus, by the way. It means you're praying on his phone means you're praying on the basis of his obedience, that you're using his access to come to the Father, not yours. And that's the reason why we come to Jesus to learn to pray, because he's the only one who can do it. He's the only one whose phone still works. He's the only one who can talk to God. And if we try to talk to God on our own without Jesus, we may as well just be shouting at the ceiling. But if we come to Jesus, not only does he teach us how to pray, he enables us to pray through his perfect life and death and resurrection. So come to Jesus to pray. If you don't know what that means, if you've never put your faith in Jesus, if it feels like your phone's still broken, then I'd be happy to talk with you after the service. I'd love to talk with you after the service. And we can talk about that. We can, I can explain better what it means to have faith in Jesus. We can pray together and get you connected back to God. But I also want to say, for those of you who are Christians and who do have this connection with Christ, I want you to take this to heart too. Your phone works now. I kind of feel like the grandma, like, why don't you ever call me anymore? Does your phone work? Like, you're, the phone works. The phone works. Why would you let it sit on the table? Why would you not pick it up and call your Heavenly Father? Jesus has made it possible for you to have connection with your Creator, the same level of connection that He has Himself. And all you have to do is pick up the phone. If you look in your note-taking outline, I've got a practice plan for this week. I'm going to try to help you. The goal this week, all I want to do is help you get in the habit of prayer. And look, I understand. I'm, I'm just kind of, this is a broad shot. Some of you are so much better at prayer than I am, okay? But this is where we're starting. So if you're at zero, this is going to help you. 
get in the habit of prayer. So the assignment is once a day, set a timer for five minutes. Okay, start out just saying, Lord, teach me to pray. Have that posture of the disciple, the learner. I don't know, please help me. And then just read the Lord's Prayer. Okay, read through it. And whatever time you've got left, just talk to God about whatever's on your heart. Timer goes off, just stop. Get on with your day. If you run out of things to talk about, just sit there until the timer goes off. But let's just get in the habit of spending at least five minutes a day praying. We'll build on this throughout the series, okay? But this is where we're going to start. Prayer is an essential skill. Jesus couldn't live without it. We can't live without it. By the grace of Jesus, we can pray. So let's do it. Let's pray together. Father, we are so blown away by the opportunity that we have to talk to you. And yet at the same time, probably not blown away enough. I mean, it's so familiar. It's so common, but it's so amazing that we can talk to you at any time about anything and you care because of Jesus. Lord, what I want to ask today as your child, I want to ask that you would literally help every single one of us this week to do this simple exercise. Things are going to come up. We're going to have uh, you know, terrible nights where a kid wakes up and, and we don't get any sleep and, and we just want five more minutes in bed. And yet we want you, Lord, on that day, in that moment, to say, no, prayer is essential. I, can't ma- I can make it through my day without five more minutes of sleep. I cannot make it through my day without five minutes of prayer. Father, would you do stuff like that for us this week? That we move beyond the idea that prayer is something that we should be doing and make it something that we do. Not that there's a feather in our cap, but simply that we get the power and the relationship and the wisdom with you that we desperately need. Father, teach us to pray. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.